Thank you for tuning in to episode three of the How to Work in Fashion podcast, where industry professionals share their journey of how they got to where they are today. And I'm your host, Danielle Walton. Before jumping into this episode, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. That allows for me to continue to grow this podcast and also leave a review. If you know of someone who would love to hear more about the behind the scenes of the fashion industry, simply share this episode. And to keep up with us between episodes, follow at How to Work in Fashion on Instagram, and I'm at Danielle Walton. If you want more information about today's guest and the things mentioned in this episode, it can be found in the show notes for further links and information. Today's guest is fashion designer Kayla Wilburn. Kayla has had a very interesting journey in fashion that required a lot of faith and determination. After pushing her way through to NYC, she began her career in street and urban wear, designing everything from shoes to knitwear for brands like Rockaware and Mark Echo. After the tragic loss of her brother, Kayla used her talents to create an organization to help others deal with the loss of loved ones to violence all while producing an annual platform for new designers to display their talents in her hometown. So let's jump right into the interview. Okay, Miss Kayla Wilborn, thank you so much for being a guest on How to Work in Fashion. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to um, interview you. I know you have awesome story to tell and I just figured you would be the perfect guest to have on the show because your journey has taken you to London, New York and back again and so I just want you to share that with our listeners. Okay um yes well I grew up in Flint, Michigan and started with an interest in sewing from my grandfather so that's kind of how I got into fashion um, graduated from Southwestern and then went on to Central Michigan University, where I um, I actually started as a biology major, and then I later what? transitioned. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought I was going to be, well, my goal was to be a brain surgeon. And so I started well, all as a childhood, that's all I wanted to be was a brain surgeon. And so then when I went to school... I still, like I started by making clothes for, uh, well, the first thing I ever made was I made this handbag out of an old shirt. And um, my grandfather would sew things together that had like holes in them or sew up a sock or sew up a hole or put a patch in his pants. And so that kind of helped me to kind of spark my interest in that whole fashion thing and made we made I made different outfits for fashion shows and stuff like that and so I knew it was something that I like to do but I didn't really think about it as it being a career until I got to Central Michigan and um, learned that they had a fashion um, the, um, program there and um, I wanted to somehow combine my love for science and math and um biology and all of that um with my love for fashion and um couldn't really do that in the beginning had to um 
talk with my advisor, we came up with this plan to where um, I will create clothing for people who are going through physical therapy because I, then I changed my major again to physical therapy. Mm-hmm. And so we um, were like, I can make these clothes for people who are going through physical therapy. And that's the way that the whole two different spectrums um, can meet. And they allowed me to do that. And so after that, I ended up changing my major and totally just um, getting rid of the whole um, biology, physical therapy, and just switching over to apparel merchandising and design as my major. And then I had a minor in art with a concentration in graphic art. Mm-hmm. And that um, the me going to London was a part of my um, study abroad. I wanted to study abroad because I became fascinated with Chanel and learning about the whole designers, international designers. And so I wanted to basically go from the hood to London. Like I had never, <laughs> I never heard of nobody telling me that they had been, um, you know, overseas or studied overseas. And so when I saw the flyer in the hallway, I knew that I had to do it and I had to do whatever I had to do in order to get there. And everybody thought I was crazy. Um, my family thought I was nuts. My mm-hmm. advisor, the dean. They thought you were nuts for wanting to go to London? Yeah. Well, even the thought of going there, I was barely, mm-hmm. you know, making it through, you know, with my loans and all of this and paying on time. And so um, even though we had a, a relationship, Central Michigan had a um, program, like a program relationship type of thing um, to where the credits were um the credits from AIU could go towards whatever I was doing in Central Michigan. Okay. So um, even though with it being a private school, everything transferred, but it was like double the amount that I would be paying for a full year at Central for one semester. Wow. So everybody thought I was crazy. My family thought I was crazy because how much it cost. And then the people in my program, uh, I don't know if you know or been to Central Michigan, but it's not... um, it wasn't at the time, but we were probably like one, maybe 2% black um, mm-hmm. at CMU. And in our program, we probably had about three or four black girls in the program. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was a lot of, um, I'm not going to say hidden racism. It's one of them things that you kind of go through. It's not like blatantly in your face, but it is in your face at the same time. But other people right. won't, probably won't be able to understand it because they're not black and they don't understand how, you know, you're being treated differently than your classmates. And so um, they were looking at me like I was crazy and trying to figure out how was I even going to get the money to be able to p- participate in the program like that. And so they kind of laughed at me when wow. I said that I was going to go. And then I told all my friends, like, I'm not coming back, y'all. Um, <laughs> I'm going to love it <laughs> to like, stay. <laughs> like I see y'all later. Like this is my last semester. I see y'all in January when I get back. And they were like, "Yeah, okay, girl. Okay, girl." And so after um, I had to work this job, girl, I went back to Flint, worked this job that was paying five dollars an hour at the time. And the first thing I did was save my money to buy my plane ticket. It was seven hundred dollars. I remember that. So it took me like about a month, I think, to kind of get my money. And so once I bought my plane ticket, like everything just started to fall into place. And so I got to go study in London, visit um, all the fashion capitals of the world. And um, yeah, so I did that, graduated, 
Um, came home, didn't have a job at all. Mm-hmm. Well, wait, let's pause for a second because when you switched your major, like, what was your mom thinking? Um, they already thought I was crazy anyway. So <laughs> my granny, my grandma, she was like, thought she wanted me to be a doctor. It's mm-hmm. I had already wanted to be a brain surgeon my whole life. So like they had in their mind that I was going to be the doctor and all this stuff. And so when I told them that I was switching to fashion, like my grandmother was really, she was just really mad about it. She was like fashion, like you not gonna make no money being, uh, being more money being um in fashion than a doctor. Like mm-hmm. I could see a doctor, you know, but not no, <laughs> not fashion. Like how you gonna make money and all this type of stuff. And so I got a lot of pushback from my grandmother, but um, our family, um, they really were just like, okay, whatever you say, you gonna do. Like we. We've seen that you're going to do it, so just go ahead and just go with it, whatever. So they were supportive, but then they also just wanted the best for me, and the best for me at that time was um, me going to be a doctor. So they just didn't understand how I could make the money that they wanted me to make and be successful in whatever I was doing and doing fashion because they just didn't understand it at that time. Right. So, yeah. Okay. So, um. Graduated from CMU, and did you initially? You said you moved back to Flint, so you didn't initially start your career in fashion. No, I did not. I um, I applied to a lot of different jobs, um, and didn't get any of them. Spent so many times creating all these different portfolios because they required so many different projects, the design projects. So I wanted to go into design. I had did visual merchandising while I was in London. I liked visual merchandising, but I really liked design. I was pulling more towards design. So I was applying for a lot of different design positions and I didn't get any of them. So I ended up moving back to Flint and um, one of my friends was opening up a consignment shop. So we decided we was going to do it together and I was going to do custom stuff and, <laughs> and we was going to buy all this uh uh, now it's vintage and stuff, and it's popular. But at the time, it wasn't popular among the target market age that we were trying to sell to. Right. So right. we did that for about six months, and then um, I went to New York and decided that I wanted to get some more industry experience and figure out what I was going to do as far as like building my fashion career. And so I started as a Mercedes Benz. Um, fashion week volunteer and uh, did that the first time and then I went back a second time for another season I ended up landing an internship while I was there so I started working with Mark Echo and stayed there for a couple years got to work with um, a company called Two Feet Productions which has they had the licensee for Rockaware so I got to like do some of the footwear design for them and then I just did like a lot of like different styling jobs and continue to work with Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week just to stay, you know, in the know and do different things to stay around the energy. So. So how did you for the well, we'll have a lot of people who want to get into the industry and like have no clue as to how to get started. So how did you um, start volunteering for Fashion Week? Well, when I started to volunteer for Fashion Week, I was gra- I graduated already. So I had graduated in December and I wanted to start 
um, for volunteering um, that January or that February. So I started looking for how I could get into um, anything that they were doing for Fashion Week in like January. And so most of the positions that they have as far as a volunteer was for people who were in New York, they were in school, you can get credit for it and uh, went to Parsons or FIT. But I didn't, I had already graduated. I didn't go to FIT or Parsons. And so I was like already X'd out. But what I did, I didn't, (laughs) the funny thing is I didn't know nobody. I didn't know how to get into it. All I knew is that I could find an email. Like I just needed to find a bunch of emails. So I just started um, researching on the internet, anybody name who was like in any type of article dealing with fashion week or volunteers or anything to do with Brian Park, tents, anything. So I just started emailing every email that I could find. Mm. And so finally, um, somebody emailed me back and they put me in contact with the lady who was over the volunteers. And so when I emailed her, she told me that basically I didn't fit the qualifications. Um, she wished me the best of luck. You know how they hit you with that. <laughs> And I was like, "Uh, lady, I really need to come to Fashion Week. Uh, I graduated. I'm from Michigan. I'll fly out there. She was like, okay, I'm going to try to fit you in. But I never heard anything back from her. And so, um, you know how people will send a group email and they'll CC like a bunch of people emails in the email. Mm -hmm. So I took that and I emailed everybody back that was CC. (laughs) And I asked them for the information that I needed, like, where was the address? What time did we need to be there? What were the shifts? Like, all that type of stuff. And so, like, out of, the, like, 50-something people that was on there, it was only, like, one girl who sent me a message back. And she was like, oh, yeah. Like, she sent me her uh, her shifts because it was so many different shifts that you could choose from. But she sent me her shift. She sent me the address. She sent me the lady's name. Like, all the information that I needed. And so I just flew out there and showed up at her door and was like, you know, I just told her my story that I had flew from Michigan. I emailed them. They never emailed me back. So they were really mean in the beginning. But once I got through the mean girl, (laughs) the lady who was over the volunteers ended up giving me credentials. And then that's how I started volunteering. It's not I don't really have no method to the whole madness. I just really went after it and just emailed everybody that I could until I got a message back. Yeah. That persistence. That's the method. <laughs> um, okay. So you started to work for uh, Mark Echo. How did you, and you said you did um, footwear design. Uh, was that the path that you saw for yourself initially or did you kind of just fall into that? Uh, I would say I kind of fell into it. I didn't really think, I was into urban wear, but I didn't see myself designing in urban wear but um I kind of it was something that I guess I just I get I did fall into it I started doing it I started as an intern really and I guess I kind of took the same approach when I started as an intern at Mark Echo because while I was there doing fashion week in between the time you know you have a couple hours in between your shifts or a couple hours at the end of the day. And one of my friends was actually working at Mark Echo. And so while I was there, she was teaching me um, just how to do different things, like how to um, make denim, you know, using CAD 
um, mm-hmm. computer-aided design and how to make different things look more realistic and, you know, with your flat drawings, instead of it looking really flat, like adding some depth to your drawings and stuff like that. So I wanted to learn all of that. And so in between me volunteering, I would go to Echo and ask everybody in her department, like, did they need help? Like, do you need help with this? Is there anything I can help you with? Um, do you mind if I use this computer? I asked them, could I use a computer? Because I was like, I need a computer. I didn't have a laptop. So I was like, I could just come here and just try to apply for some jobs while I'm here. And they were like, sure. And so, um, so you were just in their corporate office chilling? Yes, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Now that I think about it, it's so strange. But my friend was working there and I stayed with her while I was there. So like I would ride in on a train with her from Harlem and then like do whatever, just, you know, touristy stuff and just kind of go around New York until it was time for my shift. Or I would just go and like help her do whatever she needed to be done, whatever. So that's how I started. And then um, the lady who was her supervisor, the day that I got there, the second time I did Fashion Week, the first time I was there, um, I was interning with Rockaware which was like so crazy because then I ended up working with Two Feet Productions years later, you know, and like being able to work on their footwear. But the first internship I did was at Rockaware. And this is when Jeezy had a collection with Rockaware. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's called. It was some numbers though. Like I can't remember. So mm-hmm. But um, I started doing interning with them first. And so I did the same thing at Rockaware first. And then um, the second time is when I was at Echo. And so when I came to Echo, the day that I got there was actually the last day for the intern that they had. And so that's why the desk was available. Wow. Right? And so the day that I left, she was like, we don't have any um, interns. Like, would you want to come back? And I was like, yeah, I can come back in two weeks. Like, you know, (laughs) how I was going to come back in two weeks with no job, no pay, no saved up money and nothing. I didn't know, but I just told her that I could. And then she ended up, she was like, okay, let's be realistic. You can, I'll give you six weeks to come back. And so I ended up going home and being back there in six weeks. And that's how I started at Echo. But how, so how did you do it though? How did I get, how did I move back? Yeah. So I I went home, told my parents, like I told my mom, my grandparents, like, this is what I want to do. I want to move back out there to New York. And they was looking at me like I was crazy again, like when I was going to, to London. And I'm like, I'm serious. Like, I just need y'all to just pep, just drive me there. And I just need some a little bit of money. So my, mm-hmm. gra- my mom hadn't given me a um, graduation party yet. And so she was like, okay, we're going to give you a graduation party. You know, you will get a little bit of money from that. And then you can use that money, you know, to start you off or whatever. So we did that. And I got like $600. I thought I was boiling, you know. And so uh, I was like, okay, so I'm going to use this $600 to get through or whatever. So I took that $600, moved to New York. And that's how I started. I, I, I stayed on one of my friend's couches for a little while. <laughs> just because I didn't have enough money to have my own apartment for like five or six months. Um, but yeah, that's basically what I did. I kind of just kept praying my way through and God just kept providing for me because I mean, that's the only, the only thing that I could say. There was really nothing that I did. I just <laughs> kept trying to go yeah. after things and then God just would provide different opportunities and whatever. 
um, that I needed in the next step every time. I love it, man. That is such an inspiring story. Um, okay. So once you got there, start interning for Mark Echo. And I know we're going to kind of fast forward because you ended up working, uh, actually getting a position there. Um, do you think CMU prepared you at all for the actual workforce? Um, yeah, only because CMU, um, at the time they have a lot of different programs now, but they were a more of a technology based program. So we learned a whole lot about computer aided design. That was like the basis of everything. And then also having the graphic design minor for me, um, really helped me because mostly everything that I was doing was on the computer. There was no hands-on type of thing. Um, I didn't do a whole, we had a technical designer. So as far as like fit and I would do a little bit of fit, but most of my job that I did was dealing with Photoshop, Illustrator, um, those two programs. And so those two things were the main two programs that I worked on, um, my whole entire school career. So for me, it definitely prepared me for my job because that's all I did is designed on a computer. So if I wouldn't have had that knowledge prior to, um, I don't think I would have been able to sustain myself in that position. I mean, I probably could have, but I think it really prepared me for the position that I had. Mm, Interesting. Okay. So, um, during your career, do you uh, feel like you had any mentors that helped you, um, you know, advance your career? Um, there was a lot of people that um, I would meet. It would be random too. Like I would meet people when I was um, like doing different shows. I would meet people, and they kind of just would take me under their wing and just tell me about really what they were doing, what I should be doing, because they had been doing it longer than me, uh, helping me to kind of grow my portfolio and what I should do to prepare for my next position or how I should prepare for my next position and teaching me how to ask. I think a lot of times like um, in it could be any career. Sometimes we don't really know our worth or what we should be paid and um, mm-hmm. how we should approach you know, the higher ups, um, <laughs> how, you know, we need to ask for, you know, whether it be whatever you want to do, whether you want to travel, whether you want more money, whether you want to, you know, how you should go to and how you could prepare yourself to go to another position within the company, like just knowing how to ask. So I learned a lot from them as far as like asking and um, how to prepare myself for what I wanted to do next. But they kind of just fell into my lap. It will be people that I'll meet on the street, people that I met at church. Um, mm-hmm. I can't really, um, they were all just all around. <laughs> you attracted <Yeah>. that. <laughs> I don't know. Man. It just happened. Just what happened all the time. I love it. Okay. So um, at what point did you feel like, you were actually working in the fashion industry, not not kind of like you arrived, but but you know what I mean. Yeah, um, I can't really say. I think when I was working in the industry, I was working to get to something else, and so I didn't really, re- I didn't really take a moment to really take in everything that I was doing most of the time until later on. Um, and so 
I I don't really know. I know I know one moment when I was working at um I was actually working for training camp. It was a shoe store that I was working for and I needed a job because I wasn't making enough as an intern at first and I was just freelance. And um I started working at training camp as well. And <laughs> this guy, the guy who owned the company, he was basically trying to see um, how much I wanted to work for. He had two parts of the company. The first part was training camp, which is basically they just sold um, a lot of different exclusive shoes, Nikes, SBs, all that type of stuff. But on the flip side, he had two feet productions, which is really what I wanted to do. But he was trying to see if I was really cut out for it. And so he would like, I don't know if you remember that TV show that Diddy did um, where he had like all those interns. I can't remember. I can't mm-hmm. remember the name of the show. Something like I want to work but, for Diddy. Yeah, something like that. And he was like sending them on the bridge, like walking to Brooklyn and like doing all this crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I remember this time that um, he had me to pr- create all these different mock-ups for Rockerwear for these shoes. All these different colorways, all these different type of designs. Like I had to do all this stuff, right? And so um, he asked me to bring it on a bring it to show his team or something like that. So I had my computer, you know, and I came and I showed up at the meeting, and I was he was like, "You ready?" And I was like, "Yeah." He was like, "Okay, so where's the um, where where's the printouts?" And I was like. I got everything on my computer. Like I got the presentation. I'm ready. You know, he was like, we need printouts. Like you need to go find some printouts. You need to go find somewhere where you can go print all that stuff off. And I need like 15 copies and they need to all be in color. And I had like, (laughs) it was like so many Like, yes. (laughs) I'm like in the city. That means I got to go print color prints. I mean, they're like 99 cents a copy. You want like 15 copies of like this. 20 page proposal that I was supposed to. So I just remember being like on, I don't even, it was probably like 47th and like 6th Avenue. And I'm walking around, I'm looking for FedEx to like print all this stuff off. And I just called my mom and just broke down crying. And I was like, I just don't understand why I'm trying to be in this industry. Like I might not be cut out for this. You know, like I was just having like this whole little moment. Mm -hmm. And I could just say that that moment really, it, it was like I was either going to be in it or I was really going to just walk away in that very moment. Like I had to make a decision and I always go back to that moment and I laugh now because I got through it and like overcame so many different things working in New York. And like when they say like if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. Like I truly and honestly believe that. And um, so I guess that was the moment where I knew like I was in the industry mm-hmm. And it really helped me to see that I had to make a decision on whether or not I was going to like really go the extra mile and be great or I was just going to walk away. So I guess that was a moment. I've had those moments. (laughs) Crying on the street. (laughs) Crying walking down the the street. Like a norm. Um, Okay. So tell us some career highlights. Um, I don't know. What would I say? Okay. So I started... Working with the international part of Echo, which I thought was huge, but then like one random day I got moved over to the USA, which is like the bigger market for Mark Echo. 
And I think that was a big moment for me because I had been promoted to like so many different positions within the company, but being able to have like my own part of a collection, like I was the lightweight knits designer, which meant like Mm. we had a head designer, but it was a designer for each like little part of the whole collection. And so I did like all the t-shirts and um, polos and like long sleeve shirts, anything like lightweight knit tops. Some bottoms, but mostly it was tops, depending on the season. And so um, I had, I didn't realize it. You know how, like, you're moving up, you're moving up, you're just really trying to just progress in whatever you're doing. And in that one moment, I was sitting there in a a meeting with Macy's, and they came in, and they were talking to us about the collection, and I had to present and talk about why I chose different colors and all this type of stuff. And then I guess that was a really a career highlight for me because everybody wants to be a designer, you know, for a company. And so for me, that was like one of my main goals. And like you, like, like I was saying to you earlier, just really thinking about like everything that you did, like it really doesn't hit you until like, it was, it didn't hit me until like years later, like, you know, like mm-hmm. last year when I, <laughs> after yeah. I didn't had a kid and came home, got <laughs> out, you know, been chilling for a while. And I was like, wow, you know, I guess I really did do some things, you know, but that was a real, that yeah. was a career highlight for me because I mean I'm just a little girl from Flint, and I'm in New York like working for this amazing company that people see all the time in all these amazing department stores like, and I can walk in Macy's and show my grandma in Flint, Michigan that I designed this polo like that was dope that was just a dope a whole little dope That's little scene huge yeah what's that feeling like. I don't know. I guess just, I guess, I think I was just humbled and grateful to have a moment um, after I realized the whole thing. And I was actually, the moment I was talking about with my grandma, like we were just shopping. I was like, hey, let's, let's go over here and look, you know, <laughs> let's mm-hmm. go look at Echo and Macy's. And it's a store that my grandma always shop in. So just to see the look on her face and to see like, how my grandfather taught me how to sew and that little spark that he had in me at 12 years old at, then progressed to me, her being able to see something that her grand, granddaughter created in Macy's. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, that is huge. I love it. Okay, so is there um, anyone who inspires you in the industry? I would have to say Coco Chanel. I only named my daughter Jada Chanel. So, I mean, she had to have some type of impact on me, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I, love I love it. And what, um, like, what speaks to you about her? Um, I think just her story and how she had to continue to overcome different things, not only in her personal life, but as a designer as well, and being this groundbreaking um mover and shaker and just changing the way that a woman dressed at, you know, at that time, it just really helped me to see that, um, if you stay true to who you are, like who you are is enough. And so I think that's why she always sticks out to me, you know? Mm. Yeah. And still, and it's so crazy that her brand is still such a significant, um, brand in the industry. Right. Um, okay, so I know that you um, 
moved back to Michigan. And can you tell us a little bit about uh, Fashion Against Violence and Vehicle City Fashion Week and how that all came about? Okay, so Fashion Against Violence um, began because I lost my brother to violence in 2011. And so I wanted to do something that would continue to carry on what him and I were talking about before he passed while also bringing awareness to violence in the community and using fashion as a conversation piece. Mm -hmm. And so we use that to um, educate the community about fashion and doing different classes to where we can um, teach them, you know, types a small skill that they can use in everyday life. And then while they're learning, we always ask how they've been affected by violence just to see how different people have been affected by it. And a lot of times it's a conversation that people really don't have. It's kind of like a silent conversation. Like, you know, somebody, mom or dad was murdered in the community or they've been, you know, their cousin, just any type of way that they've been affected by it. But a lot of times people don't really talk about how it has affected them. So we use it as a way to create this conversation piece among the people in our community to give them a safe environment to where they can really know that they're not the only one who's, you know, going through whatever they're going through because everybody has a different grieving process. So I like to really touch on that with Fashion Against Violence. Um, Mm -hmm. Vehicle City Fashion Week is a week of fashion events that we've been doing going on seven years. Um, That's kind of modeled off what I learned at um, Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, our goal is to give a platform to artists in the community. And so um, before my brother passed, actually, he would bring people who were interested in fashion or wanted to build brands or didn't know how and make me help them build their t-shirt brands or figure out how to do a design or whatever. So that's just my way of continuing on what he was doing and to give um, designers in the community a voice and to push them to go forward and know that, you know, you can really create a business out of this if you pursue it like you should. So that's and that. And then Fannie Lucille is, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, Fannie Lucille is... My brand that I do is custom apparel and handbags um, that I create custom stuff for people in the community. So that's my business. And those are the three things that I'm doing now. (laughs) So with all of that going on, you got Fashion Against Violence, Fannie Lucille, Vehicle City Fashion Week, two kids and a husband. (laughs) How do you you balance and... um, was it important to you to still maintain uh, like a fashion career in Michigan? Yes. I think that was, well, me and my husband kind of, when we moved back, that was like the deal that I had to, I had to do something. And so I was going to either teach fashion, but the, the, the crazy part is, is when I first moved back to Michigan, I wasn't received, um, you know, like, everybody didn't just start taking my sewing classes or come to my shows and all that type of stuff. Like it was, um, I did a sewing class girl. <laughs> I, I don't even remember. I think it was like 10, $15. I don't know. It was really, really cheap though, but I did it for like a whole year. And like at this community 
center. And the lady would call me like they would put out like a little book and send it out in the mail. And I'll call and she'll be like, well, nobody signed up yet. Nobody signed up yet. Like <laughs> every week then she started calling me like, oh, don't be discouraged, baby. Like, you know what? Soon somebody will sign up for your sewing class. And I'm like, OK. <laughs> so it was a, um, it was definitely a journey um, mm-hmm. to get into people. Um, actually understood what I was doing with Fashion Against Violence, I would go to a lot of different community um, events that they would have where they would have roundtables, you know, people in the community and different people in the neighborhoods um, to kind of spread awareness about what I was doing. And they were like, first of all, fashion and violence is two totally different things. It's stupid. And you need to really rethink what you're doing. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> like legit. Like and I was like, uh, really? Okay. But um the there was people there that would continue. I know. But it was still people there, you know, that people there in the community that could would continue to push me, like, oh don't, you know, don't worry about it. Like they just don't get it. They just don't understand. But um, that was a hard time, but I continue to push forward and now people kind of get it and they understand it. And it's helped a lot of different designers and people to become more aware of fashion and different career paths in the community. So I'm excited about that. Now. Yeah. And I, but it was a journey. Yeah, I, <laughs> oh, hello. It, but it, it is going to be a journey because Flint is vehicle city and um, we always joke that Everyone that says they're going into fashion, like so many people used to ask me or Corey, like, you going to make me a pair of jeans? And it's like, no, we don't, <laughs> we don't design jeans, you know? Really, yeah. Jeans. So people, um, you know, just are kind of naive or, or a little bit ignorant to the fact of everything that you can do in the fashion industry. So it's kind of like an uphill battle to educate. For, well, that's the number one thing. First, you got to educate people on what it's about, what it all entails. And then I feel like once they get it, then they're on board. Right. But your right. um everything that you've doing that you're doing has really um affected the community and really brought a lot of momentum, I feel like. Um Flint now has like a community of people that are really into fashion, um, that are active at your events and the things that you do. So I definitely see the impact that it's made. And was that something that you hoped to see coming back? Did you kind of know that you would have such an impact when you moved back? Not really. I just really wanted to spread, educate, and to help those who had any type of inkling of interest. Just because I knew that if if somebody would have came to my school when I was in high school and been like, yo, I see you designing these clothes for these talent shows. Like you really could go to this school to do this, you know, or Mm -hmm. if you were, you know, you're sketching, you're doing all this stuff in your sketchbook and you're drawing, you're doing this thing, like you really could do this as a career. So that was really my main goal to really um, just educate. I didn't, I wanted to build this, you know, group and, continue to push people to do whatever they wanted to, whether it be fashion or whether it be a fashion event that sparked them to go after whatever dream they had. I guess that's really was the main goal. 
but I didn't really have any goals outside of that. <laughs> My main focus at the time was just to bring awareness of fashioning as violence and to give people a platform. That was just it. Perfect. And that's what you're doing. So that is awesome. Um, what advice would you give to someone who's interested in a career in fashion that they can do today? Um, start. Just go do do whatever that wherever it is that you desire to do, just go after it. If you wanna make a t shirt, make a t shirt. If you wanna style somebody, style them. I would just say start and just be consistent with whatever you start doing. Hmm. That's a word right there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so what's next for you? Um, what's next for me? Well, we're actually launching. Uh, Fanny Lucille will be launching their. Um, uh, it's called the Glory Collar, so we're looking to launch that this coming up week. And you can go to our website to pre-order. Yes, plug the website. Yes, FannyLucille.com. And then we're also looking for designers and vendors for Vehicle City Fashion Week. So we're starting to um, get into planning for that. And that's pretty much it for me right now. And when um, when is Fashion Week this year? It will be the third week of November. Oh, perfect. Right before Black Friday and all that. Yes. So I'm excited. So if you're a designer, if you're um, in any part of the industry, if you're a photographer, model, um, uh, whatever you want to be, stylist, anything pertaining to fashion and you want to be involved with Fashion Against Violence or with Vehicle City Fashion Week, you can just email us at Vehicle City Fashion Week at gmail.com. Perfect. Okay. And how can people, um, other than that, how can people connect with you after this episode? Um, I'm on Instagram at Kayla Santrese. That's Kayla without the Y, K-A-L-A-S-A-N-T-R-E-S-E. Um, on Facebook, I'm Kayla Wilburn. And on Twitter, I'm Kayla Santrese as well. So you can find me on those three platforms. Perfect. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, your story, I mean, I knew a little bit about your story, but a lot of the details I didn't know. So I'm like listening like I'm again, like I'm <laughs> I'm like, girl, what? Right. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I truly appreciate you being on the show. And um, I know that your career is just going to continue wherever you are, Michigan, New York, Japan. I kind of see Japan. Oh, you look good. I kind of see Japan for you in the future. Are you speaking the words <laughs> of my life? You know, <laughs> let me just prophesy. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But um, I, I just thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, no problem. Thank you for being you oh. and continuing to do everything that you do for fashion artistry in general you're bomb oh thank you girl (laughs) all right well i will talk to you guys next week